The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I have a friend, Chabad rabbi in Utah, Rabbi Benny Tzipel. I got a phone call from Rabbi Benny 15 years ago. Benny is not in Utah for the Mormons. There are some Jews that still live in Utah. And uh, I get a call from Benny on a Friday. And Benny says, Moishi, how far is Calabasas from you? I say, Calabasas is just a few minutes away. He says, great, hold on. Puts me on hold. Comes back a few minutes later. He says, Moishi, if I was to ask you to bring a Shabbos candle to someone's home today, can you do it? I said, of course. Just give me the address. I'll take care of it. Hold on. Puts me on hold. Comes back on hold and says, I'm just going to give you a phone number. You call the woman and you tell her that you'll bring her a Shabbos candle today and show her how to use it. Thank you so much. I say, Benny, just one second. Just tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what this is about. So Benny begins to tell me a story. Besides Rabbi Chabaras in Utah, he has another job. The, in Utah, in the mountainous areas, there are rehabilitation centers for teenagers, teenagers that get in trouble with the law. And instead of going to prison, they're given an opportunity to go to some of these rehabilitation centers. There's no prison guards. There's no, you know, it's not a jail. You're in a school environment. You could walk out the door, but if you walk out the door, then the original judge sentence takes place and you go to jail. He visits these these rehabilitation centers on a weekly basis. That's his, one of his jobs. And he visits all the Jewish teenagers, and that's hundreds of miles away from Salt Lake City, but he does this. So he tells me that he got a call from a mom. And the mother says, are you the Chabad rabbi that visits such and such place? And he says, yes, I am. So she starts crying and she says, I have a problem. My daughter got in trouble with the law. She was arrested. She was sentenced. She was given the opportunity to go to the rehabilitation center. Instead, she did and she checked out. She just checked out. And if you check out, we know what happens. She's going to end up in jail. I called the rehabilitation center to beg them to give her another chance, but they won't. They said, no, that's their policy. She once told me that she's visited by a Chabad rabbi. So I looked up Chabad in Utah and you're the only name that came up. So can you, do you know the director? Do you know the individual that you speak to? Can you lobby for me? Can you get him to accept my daughter back? So I told her, I know him very well. I can go there on Sunday. I can lobby for your daughter, and I am sure I will be successful in getting her readmitted. I'm close. I'm close with them. They'll listen to me. But it's going to cost you. So she says, name your price. So he says, I guess you don't know Chabad. We weren't talking about dollars. It's going to cost you a mitzvah. I want you to do a mitzvah in honor of your daughter. I'll take care of the rest. She says, I don't know what that means. He says, it's very simple. I want you to light a Shabbos candle. And when you light the Shabbos candle, I want you to think about your daughter. It will be helpful for her. It will be helpful for you. And I'll take care of the rest. She says, I have to think about it. I said, think about it. You are ready to write a check for any amount I would have said to you. All I'm asking you to do is light a candle. She says, Rabbi, we're reformed. I don't want to be a hypocrite. He says, what does it have to do with being a hypocrite? I'm asking you to light a candle. That's all I'm asking. Okay, I'll do it. Send me the kit and the instruction booklet in the mail, and I'll light the candle. So he says, it's Friday. Tonight, you light the candle. You don't have to wait for a kit in the mail. You don't have to wait for an instruction booklet. It's simple. I can tell you what to do. And she says, no, no, no. Just send me the instruction booklet. Send me the kit. Now, he, up until this point, has no idea where this woman is calling from. But he also understands that just about anywhere in the world is Chabad and Coca-Cola. And so he says to her, what if I can get someone to bring you a candle today? Would you light it today? So she says, you're in Utah. That's a long ways away. I live in a city called Calabasas, California. So he says, but if I can get it to you, would you light it? And she says, yes. 
So that's when the first time he puts her on hold, gets back to me. How far is Calabas? A few minutes. Can you bring her candle? Sure. He gets back on the phone. He says, okay, just give me your address. So she says, I'm not home right now. So, you know, just give me your cell phone number. And he gets back to me and he says, here's the cell phone number. Take care. Make sure she gets a candle today. I hang up with Rabbi Benny. I call the number immediately. She says, hello. I say, hi, I'm your candleman delivery boy. And she flips out. I don't understand. I said, I'm here to deliver your candle. Just give me your address. You're in Utah. I said, no, I'm not in Utah. But I was just speaking. I know. I said, we have a network. She said, but I'm not going to be home for a while. I said, so where are you now? She said, I'm in a little town. I said, which town? She says, it's called Agoura Hills. I said, where in Agoura Hills do you happen to be? She says, I'm at a gas station. Where is the gas station? On Canwood Street. You mean the gas station on Canwood and Reyes Adobe? A nice, the nice 76 station? She said, yeah, how did you know? I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to finish pumping the gas. I want you to make sure to put the nozzle back. Don't drive away with the nozzle. I want you to make a right turn. I want you to go 150 feet. I will be the man standing there with a candle in my hand. While she's speaking to Rabbi Benny Chippel in Utah about her daughter, she's standing on the block of a Chabad house in Agoura Hills. And she comes shaking, shaking, and I give her the candle, and she says, I now believe, I believe that God is watching over me. God is watching over my daughter. You can't make this stuff up. There is divine providence. We have to open our eyes. We have to see it. I remember years ago hearing this story. There's this organization based in Florida called Aleph Institute. They're involved in a lot of great things. One of the things Aleph Institute does is throughout the country, they see to it that any Jewish prisoner has visitation, has what they need, has study books, has prayer books, has chaplaincy. It's a tremendous mitzvah that they do. They were able to arrange years ago that this group that were in a, a lower security prison were able to have a furlough of going to Crown Heights for a Shabbos. No one in Crown Heights knew about it until afterwards. The only one that was informed was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He knew that there would be this group of prisoners that would be spending Shabbos with him in 770. That Shabbos, there was a Fabrengen. And after Fabrengen, the Rebbe started speaking about prison. And the Rebbe said, you ever wonder why some people are in prison and some are not? So you're going to say, because some broke the law and some didn't. But aren't there many that broke the law and are not in prison? So you're going to say, well, they were the Shlomoslin that got caught and the other ones didn't. Well, they were able to afford a better attorney and these ones didn't. But he said, all that may be true, but there's another reason. If someone's in prison, it's because there's something they can accomplish even there. But even in the lowest place, in the darkest place, there's something that a Jew can accomplish. And he went on to talk about the story of Joseph in prison. And these fellows were listening to this. And keep in mind, everyone that knew who they were would judge them. They were always used to being judged. And here was the leader of world Jewry saying, you have a mission. There's something you can accomplish. There's something you can do. You have a purpose. You're not nothing in God's eyes. Now, I remembered that story. And I started visiting someone in a prison a few hours from me in Lompoc prison. And I would visit once a month. I would make the drive out there to Lompoc. I would visit him. And then there would be correspondence, letters that would go back and forth. And I wrote to him this story that I just told you. Because he was depressed. Why did I end up here? My business partner didn't. And he did this. And, and I just told him this. You know what? If you're there, find the divine providence. He was very touched by the story. And he wrote back, I got the message. There are at least 10 other Jews with me in the, in the bunk over here. I'm going to make a Friday night minion. I don't know how to pray too much myself, but I can follow along the English. Can you send me 10 prayer books? 
We send 10 prayer books, and sure enough, he starts a Friday night minion in Lompoc. From that, it became a Shabbos morning minion. Not with the Torah scroll, not with the reading, but the best that they can do. And from that, there was a request, can we do a monthly class? And it continued and it continued. And it's way, way after. It's 12 years after his, he finished his time there. But I will tell you that from that prayer service, it became a request from Lompoc, can you supply a weekly chaplain, a weekly rabbi visit? My colleague, Rabbi Levine, visits every single Monday. He has five classes going on in Lompoc every Monday from morning to night with every single Jewish individual there, all because of one individual that got one story of the Rebbe that said, if you're there, you have purpose. There's a reason for being there. God gives us opportunities for us to create meaning and purpose in our lives and in people's lives. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.